This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome everyone, once again, to the Real EFL League One podcast with me, your host, Matt Isles. Well, it's a busy one that we have planned for you today, which involves two games played from the weekend, and we discuss them in detail, as you expect, which is kind of going with our normal format of how our usual podcasts work. Plus, also, there's news of two managerial appointments this week, as we go through them and give our thoughts on it. Plus, also, no doubt, this is always a high topic of conversation as we discuss the League One team of the season at the moment as myself and my two guests on the podcast go and justify our selections and explain why we have picked certain players in certain positions. So, as you can sense, there is a lot to do and a lot to get through, but I am not alone in this. Joining me for this are two familiar voices in Reading supporter Johnny Hunt and Wigan supporter Adam Pendlebury, who you will already know by now if you are a regular and avid follower of our podcast. How's all things currently at the moment, gentlemen? All good. We didn't lose this weekend because we didn't have a game. That's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't have to go out in that horrible northern rain yesterday, which was uh, which was also good. So I just uh, just watched a bit of horse racing from Cheltenham. Nothing wrong with that. So at least yeah, you had a substitute. As, as, well as, spending, as well as spending at least 12 hours doing research for this, this <laughs> Well, of course... Well, of course, this message is a constant one, but before every pod we do, we always want to throw this in there. It's an important thing to say. Thanks for all the downloads and the listens you've given to our pod so far in just a few months that we've been going. So please keep those reviews and likes coming. And if you haven't, please do rate us five stars on your chosen podcast platform. Well, of course, whilst 20 sides in League One, either we're having a rest weekend or maybe even some just working on a few teething issues. The same couldn't be said for four sides in Blackpool, Shrewsbury, Stevenage and Lincoln City, who featured this weekend and would be the only four from the third tier to play this weekend due to the international break. Once again, hampering the fixture list in what is 
to some good news that's about to come for League One supporters. It is the final international break of the calendar year and not till March of next year where we have to discuss and think about the League One fixtures being hampered due to teams having international call-ups and players going around the world and playing in various matches with their country. So as I said, there were two matches played yesterday. Blackpool, Shrewsbury and Stevenage Lincoln. We will start on Blackpool against Shrewsbury and Blackpool put a job on Shrewsbury, winning by four goals to nil. Jordan Rhodes in the 19th minute scored a penalty two in either half from Jake Beasley and Kyle Joseph on his home debut. Saw Blackpool win four nil with three strikers all on the score sheet and what was a very attacking lineup. Main named by Neil Critchley yesterday as Blackpool defeated Shrewsbury, ending a three-game win, getting them back on track as they are closing in on a place in the top six in eighth position. Adam, talking about Blackpool, of course, it was their biggest victory of the season. Of course, it eclipses the result they got against Reading. Sorry again, Johnny, to remind you of that one. Um, 4-0 no against Shrewsbury yesterday. Just the ticket and just the tonic they needed to get back on track after a winless run of three games, I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the um, almost home bankers now, aren't they, really, on um, on the coupon? Because they, um, you know, they picked up most of the points at home. 20, I think 20 out of the 27 have been picked up at home. Um yeah, it was. Um, I watched the extended highlights. Also, got um, had a bit of a discussion with one of my friends who actually went to the game, and he, he actually it sounds odd, really. He actually said it, it, although it was clearly a clinical performance, it wasn't really a fantastic game because um, to a, an extent, Shrewsbury didn't really throw anything at, at Blackpool. They had a couple of early punches, but after they went a goal down. They, they just didn't really do anything. I and mean, it was very easy for Blackpool. Uh, but, you know, you start looking at Blackpool now. Um, I mean, I know Kyle Joseph well from his time at Wigan. He's had a horrible look with injuries over the last couple of years. But he's got genuine quality. With his home debut yesterday, scored the goal and he played a lovely pass through for the, for the fourth goal as well. I think that's a sign of Blackpool. I've, I've seen them... Three or four times this season. I've seen them live a couple of times, obviously playing Wigan and then the, the FA Cup tie. And I think I would say that when in attacking positions, which is odd because they didn't score many early on, they, they, they didn't have four nil nils in a row or something like that. They were uh, a very but, defensive side at the start of the yeah, season, weren't they? I think that's a very, very but, good point. And the fans weren't really having it. They were they were they were rumblings, and it's almost like he's kind of changed his style of play to an extent. And they're all about sort of attacking with pace down both sides. Jordan Rhodes coming into the team at that point as well. You know, I think he came off the bench and then he scored his first goal against Wigan. And since then, he's obviously not stopped scoring. He's been assisting as well. Um, you know, they, they attack well. Jumbelli as well, good player. The Yeah, yesterday they, they were very clinical. But um, I think Shrewsbury... The, the, they're falling a bit, aren't they? They're falling a bit down the league. Um, and I know they, um, they didn't stand a chance in the Wigan game a few weeks ago because they were down to 10 men after, what, four minutes or something like that. So, yeah, but I think to look at the positive where Blackpool are now at the moment, uh, the squad looks good. As you mentioned there, you know, you said the 
uh, three scorers are all strikers, you know, so they, they've, they've obviously got that firepower and if one's not doing it, the others can be doing it. Joseph just back from injury, he'll get stronger. Midfield's good. Uh, I'll make him just a little taster. They might, I might be mentioning one of their players later as well, who I've been <laughs> impressed with this season. Uh, but overall, I think... I'm, well, when it's 4-0, you can't say it's not deserved. You can't have a lucky 4-0, can you? <laughs> so. No, I think that's a very valid point. And, and kind of just emphasising yesterday, the XG for all the XG lovers, um, of course, who really take an interest in that. It was over three that Blackpool had yesterday. So, of course, it is uh, inconclusive. Sometimes some apps, if you you know consume it, do say different things. But uh, the sort of general consensus is they had an XG of over three. Shrewsbury's was zero. Point three two, but it was interesting actually. You mentioned the few little tactical things about Blackpool certainly this season. It's a very valid point that you raise about how you know defensively in the first sort of five games they were very very difficult to play against in the league, and they had that run of um, three nil nils in a row, and then it was against Lincoln where it completely fell apart. But maybe the emphasis is now just slightly changed from Neil Critch. They've gone from a defensive side in terms of the way they've played. They have had attacking players on the pitch, but yesterday it was really noticeable. You know, they, they played CJ Hamilton and Owen Dale at wingbacks. And as you mentioned there, Adam, you know, very much a real feature of Neil Critchley's uh, teams at the past in Blackpool. The wingers are very much bombing on forward. They love getting crosses in. They use their pace, very agile, very nimble players. And I think that's something that I think moving forward might be here to stay. I think Blackpool fans could say he had a midfield three of Sonny Carey, who was more as the number 10. Karamoko Dembele, very skillful, very clever player. Uh, and also Kenny Dougal was that sort of workhorse in the midfield. Um and it was a, a very attacking team. And that's probably something this season that they've not really done. So they had that back three, which you know with Blackpool is always going to be solid. That three of, you know, Pennington, Epiteta and Husband, which is actually a very good three, I think. One of the, the sort of, as a trio, really backs itself up, really sort of suits each other. And it matched the Shrewsbury team of that back three, albeit it was a 3-5-2 versus a 3-4-3. A three, three. So we've talked about Blackpool. Adam, we're going to talk about Shrewsbury now. They are winless in seven on the road. Matt Taylor didn't pull any punches. He said they need to be better away from home, full responsibility on behalf of the club. And there was insults or injury that one of their better players yesterday, Tom Bayliss, was injured before halftime uh, and left Bloomfield Road in a boot. Uh, and he's facing a significant uh, period out of the side and is absent. Now, it does feel like with Shrewsbury, you don't want to say that relegation contenders or candidates, it's a bit too early to say that. I mean, you know, they're 16th with a four-point cushion with Fleetwood still in last play, uh, in 21st with two games in hand. But that's something they've got to look to. If their away form doesn't improve, surely moving forward, it's, it's not a good recipe just to over-depend on your home form being the key thing to survive, is it? No, because get, you get to a point where, you know, you, the, the, the pressure's on at home so much that the points start drying up. Um and I mean, they picked. I think they only picked up four points away. Is that is that right? Four points away from home. You know, it's this this league does give you opportunities to win away matches, um, and they just they just don't look like they can do it. Whether it's psychological um, or whether it's style of play, but I think you're going to have to look at obviously the the um, the setup away from home because it's not. It's not really producing chances, but it's also not, uh, there's no solidity to it really either. And 
it's it's that bad form that can you know after the international break it's pretty intense and if you're stuck in a bad form before you know it within the space of two weeks you could have lost six games because we have all christmas periods we 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 obviously have um, a couple of tuesday games they might have some capsule games maybe although it looks like they've played the most games in the league i think joint most games in the league yeah so Again, when we're saying the clear, um, I mean, there's a couple of sides in there that's got two games in hand on them at the moment. And are you, and the other way of looking at it as well is obviously Reading and Wigan. I think Wigan would be ahead of them and Reading would be significantly closer, if not ahead as well, but for the points deduction. So it's a, it's kind of a false position where they're in. So I think... I think um, it, I wouldn't say drastic action, but I think it needs to, and with Bayless out, um, you know, he, he championship player at Preston, he didn't really do it on loan at Wigan, but he was a quality player. I think he was at Colchester, really good, really good player. And um, I think he's going to be a big loss. So I don't know whether they'll have an opportunity to um, to sign some players in, in the January, but I think he's, he's going to have to look at that because if not, I think... Taylor could be maybe another one on that list. I don't like to talk about people losing the jobs, of course, but we know what football's like. So, yeah, I quite like Shrewsbury. I like, I like visiting Shrewsbury. So I, I certainly would like them to stay up, but come on, Shrewsbury, get your asses into gear. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, that, and another concerning thing, and this is not good... Uh, sort of news or, or good hearing for Shrewsbury fans. They've only scored 10 goals. Only Cheltenham, as we know, have scored lower than them. So goal scoring is a real issue, not just at home, but away in general. The second game played yesterday was Stevenage 1, Lincoln 0. Stevenage up to fourth in League One. Four points off of top spot, who are Portsmouth, albeit the two, three sides above them, Portsmouth, Oxford and Bolton, 1, 2 and 3 in that order. All of two games in hand on Stevenage. Johnny, I mean, I saw something yesterday. It's remarkable to think. Steve Evans arrived in March 2022 with the 22nd yeah. in League Two. So on the 16th of March 2022, they were 22nd, one place outside the bottom two. 19 months on, they've had a promotion comfortably out of League Two. And now they're fourth in League One. I mean... You look at the, the sort of jobs that managers have done in that period. I don't think many can almost say the rise of Stevenage and the job Steve Evans has done is, is going to be better, is it? Surely. I mean, it's a phenomenal job what he's done. To get them from where they were to fourth and maintain what they're doing, it's absolutely first class, isn't it? Yeah. And like, we, you know, we, we've talked about him before and he's like, you know, a bit of like a Neil Warnock. He's a bit of a Marmite manager, isn't he? People kind of love him or hate him. But what he does when he finds the right team, the right fit, it works. Um, yesterday, you know, Jamie Reed, poacher scores again. I think that's his 14th in the, the season in cups and league. Um, they know how to win. Uh, it's it's old, you know, old school football. He, he does what he, they're, they're very well organised. Um, you know, Lincoln had the new manager bounce as such coming into the game, but still, you know, he he's just they're, they're so well set up. And when you've got a goal scorer like that, that you know, one chance that's all he needs. To get the game and and you know he he it's unbelievable record really isn't it let's be honest mate they're, they're up there nobody gave them a hope that they would be there but they've it's like it's five wins in a row now in the league 
And, you know, they went to Wickham, I think it was the last game, one away. And, like, you know, one nils, one nils. You don't care as a fan of a team how you win or what the score is. When you're doing stuff like that, it shows you that he's got the commitment, the passion, the organisation, the belief, um, leadership, all the things that tick the boxes for a football club. I did see that they were talking about him possibly being linked with the Rotherham job mm. at some stage. Um, I, he'd be daft to leave what he's doing now because he's onto a good thing, isn't he? Let's be honest. It's it's you know you're up there. I think if you know Stevenage, I can't you know obviously Jane Reed if he gets injured, that would be a big issue for them because he is that nugget of a forward that all clubs need and he gets the service and he scores so you've got guys like you know Forster Kasky um ex-reading link there um but a lot of you know it's it's it may not be pretty football it may not be you know the, the way Portsmouth play but it's effective and and as a Stevenage fan to go from where they were when he took over to where they are now you're in dreamland it's brilliant you know for them as a club because you know they're a a fairly, you know, new club in football terms coming into the leagues. So, so, so what he's doing, they've got the momentum, they've got the attitude, and they've got everything. And you can't like where we are now in the league. You're kind of going, oh, it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. It hasn't yet, and I don't really see why it would, as long as players stay fit. You know, that's the thing with him. And, and uh, I think you know we talked about how Shrewsbury's away form is is really really poor. The opposite is Stevenage with their home form. I mean, when you're a team that's always coming up, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, Adam would have said this for when Wigan get promoted to the Championship and yeah. they've been in the Premier League. You know, you would have said the same, Johnny. Everybody says it, whatever league you get promoted to, home form is massively important. Yeah. And if you can stabilise and win your home matches, you've always got that belief. That's what happened with Plymouth in terms of getting promoted. Okay, a different thing entirely, but... Um, They've played nine matches at home in League One this season. They've won four, drew four, lost one. They've only lost to Oxford, who are above them in the league. So it yeah. just shows that going to the Lamex Stadium or Broadwell Way, whatever name you prefer to call it as, it's not an easy thing to do. And that's something I think that really they kind of, you know, play on. We know with kind of Steve Evans, you know, as you mentioned, Johnny, he isn't a likeable character to some people, but he has galvanised that fan base. Mm. And I think, you know, without him really saying this, it almost feels like they are having to really scrap harder than a lot of teams to really get the results they do. And it really yeah. works. And I think he's kind of, as I said, without telling the public, almost instilled that inner thing of, do you know what? It's it, A lot of people don't think we're going to be successful and don't think we're going to stay where we are. So let's just keep proving wrong and let's keep being the underdog, punching above our weight. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really sort of proven the case. Obviously, we will touch a little bit more in depth on uh, Michael Scabala being appointed as the, the new Galicia manager, sort of Johnny said it was the new manager bounce yesterday. We'll just sort of talk about their performance yesterday. He did say there were some signs of encouragement in the game. Obviously, they had the sort of formation they are quite familiar with, the sort of 3-4-3 three, three formation, yeah. back three they're used to. 55% um, possession yesterday, 0.16 XG, around about that figure. Um, without sort of going into too much detail about the style of play, we'll move on to that sort of later and, and, and talk about it a little bit in depth. What did you make of their performance yesterday? Do you maybe think that it could be the sign of a change in emphasis in, in the way they, they kind of play? I mean, you know, it's not expected that he was probably going to go to Stevenage yesterday and win, I think, amongst some um, Lincoln supporters. What, what do you kind of make about the sort of way they approached the game yesterday? Yeah, I think 
you know, it's, it's one of those where your know, team's kind of gone a bit out of form and the players like uh, Danny Mandrew, who started off well at the start of the season, kind of players have tailed off all at once a little bit. That's what it feels like. And, and they're looking for some kind of inspiration or change or something different to kind of kickstart it again, to get them back to where they were, you know, earlier on in the season. Um, like you can't, you can't judge a new manager on one game, especially away from home. Um, they created, a, you know, a few chances, but it's it's Stevenage at home. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, you, you have to take your chances against a side like that because they'll, they'll shut up shop and they'll make it tough and they'll make it tough for you to break them down and they'll they'll hit you hit you on the break. You know, goals from set pieces. So, you know, I, I, you know, we have our our link and connection on on this podcast. But you know, I'd be interesting to see you know what they're thinking of the manager choice, which we'll discuss later. But um, yeah, like it, it, it's it's judging four or five games where he's got he's doing the, the, the like you said the, the change of style, the change of play. It's not going to happen overnight. So you know that's that's where they're at at the minute, and and you know I think you know for them, you know they're kind of you know be mid table at the minute, and I, I can't really see anything within that team that's going to make them a playoff side. You know they, they they do their best, but it's it's they lack a bit of quality that that makes the difference. You know if you've got a finisher in any team, we talked about Jordan Rhodes, we talked about a few different guys. That that gives you a, an extra <laughs> extra six ten points, whatever you want to call it. But when you haven't and you're you're, you're struggling to find goals and you're trying to find the momentum, you're you're hoping rather than believing. Let's let's talk about this disappointment, Adam. Obviously, he's arrived in from Leeds under twenty ones. Um, the Lincoln chairman Clive Nate said it's a progressive appointment. It matches our ethos on developing players and a style of play. Just to give a bit of a background, he's had a very long road to actually being a head coach as uh, Michael Scabana. Of course, he was caretaker at Leeds last year after they did sack um, Jesse Marsh early in 2023. Of course, he managed a couple of games. He managed them against Man United twice, got a draw at Old Trafford uh, in February. He's worked with the England under-18s. He's been at Leeds under-21s. He's produced a lot of good first-team players over the last few years, like Archie Gray, for example, just to name a few. Um, Pascal Strauch, he would have sort of done, a, a, you know, maybe a little bit of work with and a few other players who are on the fringes, that type of thing. He's also been at university as a, a coach at Loughborough. So he's had a very extensive, long coaching career. I look at this appointment, Adam, and I almost think that Lincoln are in a nice position to try something like this, where they can appoint a project manager. And a lot of these clubs now are trying to do this, I think, in the lower leagues. Kind of the days are gone now of the the sort of, you know, older experienced manager, you know, a manager who's had 10 plus years of experience in the EFL don't tend to kind of go into these jobs more than a new coach who's had experience with, with younger players. I think now we're starting to see teams in League One identify managers or head coaches that want to come in and develop the players they've got. Yes, they want to make signings of their own to fit their style of play, but really develop the the the, the players they've got and build an identity. And I think that's the real key thing. And I think that's kind of something they've looked at. You know, they are top half of the table. They're not a million miles away from the playoffs. In my own eyes, they probably won't get there. And I think that is the general consensus. And I think Lincoln fans would, would probably say that themselves. So, you know, it's an appointment where you can make it work. I think if it does go a bit wrong, 
then, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can pull the trigger. But, you know, they had these sort of appointments before, haven't they? Michael Appleton took about, you know, a good couple of transfer winners to get it right. And he got them so, so close to getting into the championship in 2021. So it does kind of smack a little bit of that sort of appointment. So, you know, it does maybe feel like they've got something in their own mind, the hierarchy, what they want. And they maybe feel as though this Michael Skibala kind of is that. Are you kind of on the same page with that, Adam? Or do you maybe think it's a little bit different as to what they've kind of gone for? No, no, I think I think you sum it up very well. Um, I've got a few mates who are Leeds fans. So Leeds, they've been talking about players that have developed and got into the first team ranks. So they've played quite a lot of games in the, in the League Cup and built up some experience. The links with England as well, you know, obviously not on that level, but you can you can be comparing it to like sort of you know Steve Cooper that sort of type of uh, appointment. Um, they're in a position in the league where because it'll take a while, I guess, gets to impose his style uh, on the team. Um, it doesn't look like the, the, they're gonna they're gonna make the big steps forward to get them to the playoffs. But that said. They've got too much to be really going anywhere near the relegation. So I, what I would say is, um, and I think Lincoln fans tend to be quite level-headed. Uh, some don't like Stevenage managers, I've noticed at times. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's, they tend to be quite level-headed. And, and I think he's going to have at least this season, and then we'll go into next season where he'll have more more time than to over the summer to really build he's obviously an excellent coach make those players better um make the players that he's got better and hopefully be able to maybe utilize some of those links that he's had in the loan market through the loan market you know so that you know he's got opportunities and end of the day they've got an actual premier league manager as you said he's managed two games in the premier league Although his win percentage, I've noticed at the moment, he had three matches, he's 0% win percentage <laughs> on a very yeah. small very small sample. That's what Lincoln yeah. fans want to hear, really, Adam. You're, you're giving them a lot of positivity with that. That's one. a bit tongue in cheek, that, by the way. <laughs> We've got a Premier League manager as well, mate, so I don't think we can really judge on... <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think kind of, you know, that's a really good point you make about the sort of um, loan connections. And I think that can really play a massive part, especially in the lower leagues. You know, as I've mentioned, Leeds is an under-21 side. You know, they've produced a lot of good players, you know, whether it's players they've actually got through their academy or they've, you know, bought from other clubs, you know, with similarly I've good stolen, reputation. Stolen from Wigan when we're in administration. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. If I, there's probably still a bit of a bitterness there, Adam. So I'm not going to try to name those sort of players. Um, but that is something that can really work. It worked for Michael Appleton when he was there. You know, bought those sort of players in, the likes of Brennan Johnson he, he took in. Obviously, eventually they would have permanent signings in, sort of TJ Aoma, um, you know, Anthony Scully, people like that. So that is something I think maybe they might have thought about in the actual process of appointing a new manager, that type of thing. And I think... You know, from what we believe about the style of play, what's to play this nice brand of football that gets the ball down and they want to play and be a, a side that really kind of goes forward. It very much is completely opposite to what they kind of were under Mark Kennedy, who was a very much a, a coach who, you know, it looked like to me about watching them every week, they were very defensively solid. They were tight. You know, they, they didn't really give too much away. You know, they always had that real fine balance. And maybe under Skubala, it'll be interesting to see if they're kind of, bring themselves out a bit and they are a bit more of an attacking side because there is no doubt there is a lot of 
decent attacking quality in that Lincoln side. And I think, as you mentioned, Adam, I think they're absolutely fine if the appointment doesn't quite pan out the way it works. So hopefully, for Lincoln fans' sake, Skibala does do what they want him to do. The second managerial appointment was, of course, Oxford. Liam Manning left to go to Bristol City of the Championship, a division above. Maybe some people were surprised, including Oxford fans, that he would leave them second in the league for a team in the bottom half of the championship. But, of course, they've moved on and they've got a very homely feel of an appointment in Des Buckingham. He's an Oxford native. He's a former youth player of Oxford. And someone, of course, Johnny will um, sort of maybe keep some sort of an eye on given he was a youth player at Reading. His career has been very interesting, to say the least. He's arrived from Indian side Mumbai City, where if you've not seen on social media, as he was at the airport, he was serenaded by the Mumbai City fans, who, of course, are part of the Man City City Football Group, the umbrella there, where they've got so many clubs on different continents and around the world that they are entities too. Um, and they were pretty much pleading for him to stay. But of course, the opportunity to manage in England and manage his hometown club was what he couldn't turn down. He's managed in New Zealand. He's managed Wellington Phoenix in the A-League. He's the youngest manager in the Australian top flight. He's managed the New Zealand under-20s, the under-23s. He's had a caretaker spell with the men's senior national team. And he's even as well coached the Stoke under-21s. And he's only 38 years of age. So he's had a, a very detailed and lengthy career so far, which has taken him to various different places, Johnny. I mean, very different type of appointment to this with Michael Skubala in the sense that the Oxford fans can get a little bit more excited. And I think they're going to want this guy to do well more than any other manager because they'll probably feel like he's one of their own. He knows the club. He's worked before. I think he was a sort of, you know, in and around the youth system, working um, when he was obviously a player, he knows, you know, Mickey Lewis, who obviously is, is a, a real fond figure around um, Oxford and, and, and the club itself. So they're going to very much feel like they want this guy to do well because he's one of them. And I think everybody really relates to that idea when a club has a player who's like that or a coach or a manager. So there is very much like that type of thing. But again, we know of Oxford. Their appointments over the last few years, your Robinson and Manners, they do eventually play attacking football. So there is something there. For Oxford in terms of, you know, there is a, an identity that they have and the and the owners that have been changing over the last few years want to keep it that way. Um, what do you make of this appointment? Because he's had a really good glowing reputation for playing attacking football, fearless, positive football he wants to bring with him. Oxford were probably the best football inside until Liam Manning left to go to Bristol City. It feels like on paper and what you hear about it, it feels like a really good appointment, but we know sometimes those don't sometimes work do they what's your thoughts on that i think after all the nice places he's been to he's ended up in oxford i feel sorry for him but that's just me personal <laughs> <laughs> no that's the views of charlie not the views of the <laughs> podcast by the way <laughs> no seriously like i mean he's actually a goalkeeper as well which you know um to, to play the way that he does um you know he's obviously got a very good reputation overseas you know um new zealand as we talked about in, in india um, and, you know, people don't just pick names. Well, sometimes maybe do, but, you know, they've obviously looked into him as, a, as an option. They've done the homework. Um, and, like, I think coming in, you know, for him now, obviously having that connection, like the three of us love to manage our hometown teams. When it's a dream job kind of thing. So the, the fans will get behind that part of it. But then, obviously, there's the, well, can they actually do the job? But with Oxford, you've got 
you know, the great setup there. You've got a good team. They're playing well. He only has to come in really and keep it ticking over and doing what it's doing. But that's easier said than done when you look at someone like Wayne Rooney who's coming to Birmingham and taken over from Eustace and it's kind of gone a bit pear-shaped because he wants to play a different way and whatever. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, we, you know, you haven't seen what he can do yet, but I think the fans will give him time. Um, he's got obviously till January before the next transfer window. Um, will he will he try impose a different style of football on what they do, or will he just stick with what they've got now, which works because they are one of the better sides in the league. They're very organised. They play well. They you know they create chances. Do, do, do. We go through all the different things they do. Um, when when will the fans expect him to put his kind of stamp on the team? That's the thing, isn't it? Like you. You know, hopefully, you know, he'll he will give given time by the Oxford fans because of being an Oxford person and you know they'll they'll back him and they'll back him over the next few months. Transfer window in Jan will be the kind of a, a, a kind of a test to see where where he's at. Will he will he do much business to bring can he do much business? I don't know what the financial situation is at Oxford, but it's probably better than ours. Um so yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting one because like we've talked about before, you know, you get the, the merry-go-round of managers that go round leagues, one championship that have been there, Carl Robinsons and all these kind of guys. This is sort of completely out of the blue, something different. It's very left field, isn't it? Very yeah, it is. And it's exciting because I think, you know, football's very clicky and I think there's, you know, the, the managers get jobs because of who they are and whatever, whatever. Oxford have been brave to go, we're doing different because they could have gone for... You know, there's plenty of managers out of work that could just slotted in and done what they do as a, as a you know, as a, as a manager of experience in League One. Um, but they've they went, no, we're, we're going to go for different and we're going to try something different. He's He's got, you know, a lot of management experience, obviously not in this country. And, you know, the, the, the EFL is a relentless beast. So it will be it'll be interesting to see. And I, I really hope that he actually does a great job because one is a goalkeeper. I've been a goalkeeper. We're all mad as beasts. And and he he you know he, he wants to play attacking football. He wants to do things his way. And and I think it's exciting. He's young. Like I say he was youngest manager in the A League. And the A League's not any easy league to manage in. So yeah. I think I think it's going to be fun to watch. I really do. I think and I hope hope you know and I, I can see you know they've got the, the, the foundations there and I hope he, he does really well. Yeah, I was just going to say quickly on um, that. I think there's kind of three types of appointments at the moment. There's that one where, you know, it's something a bit out of left field, but you can see why they're doing it. So that's the Lincoln and Oxfords. Then you've got the managers who just constantly go around that you just talked about. And then you've got the former players who are high-profile players, like Rooney. We brought in from nowhere last year, Carlo Torre. I mean... Obviously, an excellent player, played at the highest level. But, you know, it's like, why are we doing that when you've got other managers with much better profiles and much better chances of progressing? Progressing. So, I, I like these two appointments. and I hope they go well. Because I felt really, I know it's not the championship podcast, but I did really feel sorry for Eustace at, at Birmingham. Mm. That's and it's not the first time they've done it either. Birmingham have been able to bring in a and they brought Zola in, didn't they, as well? And mm. I just 
I'm just getting to the point where I just I just want people that you like see Steve Coopers, those players, those managers to get chances because we want these coaches to be coming through and helping develop players down down the leagues as well. And then that can potentially feed into, you know, the national team in the long term. So uh, and also, you know, if you can develop players and sell them on as well, they don't look like they're going to be big spending managers from, from what I can see the profiles. So if they can develop players and sell them on, it's a nice sustainable model, which, as we well know, two of us on this podcast today know that sustainability <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> crucial. So, um, yeah, good luck to them off. Yeah, and just before we kind of move on the, on this, you, you could see on the other hand that this is a big risk from Oxford. I know we've talked about the sort of sentiment and, and obviously a lot of reasons behind it because of the home feel and, you know, obviously it's it's coming home appointment, that type of thing. But they're second in the league. You know, if this goes pear-shaped, you know, you don't know where they could end up. And I'm not dismissing what those Buckingham's like because I'm, I'm as much as you two. I don't know what this guy's about. You kind of read articles, you see things. So you like what you hear, but sometimes what you like to hear is not what you kind of see play out. So... It is a risk, you know, they might have potentially gone down the road of getting someone who's, you know, maybe a bit more of a, a name within England or a bit more of a name, the, the kind of appointments that you said, Adam. So it's going to be interesting to, to kind of see, but it is a bit of a risk they've taken. But, you know, sometimes the biggest risks always pan out, don't they? So as you've both mentioned, it's going to be interesting to... to um... Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash realEFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now... Back to the podcast. See, but what is going to be interesting now for the listeners is who we've picked in our teams of the season. Um, obviously, we've sort of split it as we can do fairly. Um, obviously, because there's only 11 players we can choose from, Adam's also got to choose the head coach as well. So it makes it uh, that we've all got four uh, selections. Um, so we're going to go through it through position. So it's a 4-3-3 formation. Now, just to warn you, there are some players who are out of position, of course. Each of the panel, including myself, have given good justified reasons as to why. So we will put it out on social media, the full team. And of course, if you have any disagreements and you feel like there were some players who should have been in there, then do let us know. We will give some honourable mentions, though, to some players. But if you feel a little bit outraged that certain ones should have been in the 11, then 
us, then don't be afraid to let us know. But just try and make sure that you keep it nice and clean. And of course, that we don't try and offend too many um, supporters. But we think we've done it fairly. Um, so we'll start off with the goalkeeper. Um, now, obviously, this is a selection that I picked personally. And yes, he doesn't have the most clean sheets in the league. But I'm going to go with Liam Roberts of Barnsley. Now, of course, kind of some of the picks I've gone with is based on feeling it's kind of, you know, um, maybe seen them on the past few years and kind of the impacts they've kind of made for their teams this season, some of them. And I think he's made a big difference for Barnsley. You know, there have been times this season with Barnsley that really, really good. They've also looked a little bit wobbly at times. Yes, they're in the top six, but there's still been a bit of an inconsistent feel with Barnsley. They've had players this season, outfielders we know that have been absolutely outstanding. We're going to touch on probably one of them later on. But I think with Liam Roberts, you know, he's a very good state pair of hands. I mean, I remember at Northampton in League Two, he was probably the best goalkeeper. He got a move to go to Middlesbrough. Bit unfortunate that he arrived when Zach Steffen came in on loan from Manchester City and he didn't get a look in. He's obviously told Michael Carrick, look, I want to play. I want to go and drop down a league. He's gone to Barnes. He's playing every week. I think he's a really good shot stopper of a goalkeeper. You don't tend to see him making mistakes. I think he's kind of still a little bit of the old school kind of goalkeeper. You know, he's probably okay with the ball at his feet, but it's not his game. He is a traditional goalkeeper. And I think whilst that's maybe dying out a little bit, I still think it's massively important at this level. And you can sometimes see he makes crucial saves. And he's a goalkeeper for me who will win you 10 points a season on his own. And I just think that there's a real confidence about him. So that's who I'm going to put as the goalkeeper. Honourable mentions, um, even though Derby have been slightly underperforming, Joe Waldsmith has got the most clean sheets, actually, in the league, as well as uh, Posh's goalkeeper, Nicholas Bierkopic. So, of course, that's a uh, honourable mention there. But I've gone with Liam Roberts in goal uh, to start off this 11. Um, Adam, you've got the right back. Now, we did mention that some players are going to be out of position. This is one of them. Um Obviously, this is the first of your selections, Adam. Just tell the sort of listeners who you've gone with at right back and what the reasons are for selecting it, because this is going to raise some eyebrows, I can imagine, Adam. But you've got to justify it, so the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah so I've gone for CJ Hamilton, uh, Blackpool. Um, and we were talking about before the attacking style. Now, I think he'd be better as a wing-back, but obviously the 4-3-3 framework was, uh, was already set out. Uh, but that said, you can have a midfielder who drops in there to make that other defender. And, and, and I think this is the way we don't have really full-backs anymore. They're, they're, they're basically wing-backs anyway. And his assist record is very good. He got another one yesterday. Um, yeah, I think he's had four this season. Um, but it's not just about stats. It's what you've seen. And as I said, I have seen Blackpool probably more than every other side apart from Wigan. And um, he was just a threat. That 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 game that we played against them, that right hand side, we didn't we didn't have a chance. It just ripped us to pieces on that side. He's got good pace. Uh, he puts the ball in the right area, and as we said before, they've got strikers that are in form. So I think sometimes you pick a player out, not necessarily because of he's outstanding and he's the like we used to have the debates between whatever Bradley Dack and uh, Nick Powell and that type of stuff. But it this is about how well he plays uh, it for Blackpool, how well he's done for Blackpool. Um, and if they keep playing like this, this attacking style, then 
yeah, I think um, I, th I think um, it's a fair pick. Let's see how he gets on in the, the second se uh, uh, the second half of the season. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of players like that. I mean, I've mentioned very briefly, he's not played enough games yet to be featuring, but Cessignon looks very good at Wigan. Um, if we're doing it at the end of the season, he can stay fit. Then you know, I think he's he's a player that's that's not um, worthy of uh, recognition. Uh, and then you know, there's are there are other players as well that you know we we could have potentially you know brought in as um, mentions as well. Um, uh, I forgot his name now. The guy at Link, uh, Lincoln. Um, That's the Sorensen, yeah, yeah, I like him. What I've seen of him on the couple of times I've uh, watched the highlights, but again, he's an energy. It's, it's energy and being able to get up and down that side. I think really what what I like. Um, I think that this day and age, that's what you need. You need you need that energy. You need that fitness, and then when you get in the positions, you need that quality. And I think that's what C.J. Hamilton would would bring to our team. I think, to be fair, that's maybe a pick seeing into the future because I really do think towards the end of the season you may see him top of the assist chart because I think he's a very, very good player. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a very bold selection, but I think it's very well explained about um, having to put him in at right back when, obviously, you would probably put him in as a right wing back. Where, as we mentioned, he actually played yesterday against Shrewsbury. So, you know, there is a lot of good justification in there. We'll move on to the start of the sort of heart of the defence. We'll go on to Johnny for this first pick. Now, I will say there's been a lot of very good centre-halves in League One this season, but there's one in your mind, Johnny, that's been really standing out. And yes, you're going to actually be praising our opposition and a rival team here, which you probably can't believe, can you? No, I can't. It's a sad time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Moore at Oxford. I think he's he, he ever-present leader, organisers, pops up with goals. He scored two goals a season. You need guys like that if you're going to get out of League One or any league. You, know, you want to talk Championship, League One, League Two, whatever it is. Somebody that knows the game, that leads from the front. Um, he's not afraid to put his head in, you know, whatever you want to call all the cliches that, that someone you want as a leader that's going to stand up, um, you know, and as Oxford, you know, where they are in the league, he's is a leader and, and he, he keeps that team, you know, he's a calm head when things go wobbly. You know, there's been games where they were under pressure and he, he always one for me that stands out, you know, you know, there's, there's probably, you know, 10 others that we could go through, but for me, you know, in a, a team like Oxford where they were at, at the start of the season, I don't think people were thinking that you know, looking at this start now that they'll be second. Um, he 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 ticks the boxes. I like leaders, I like I'm old fashioned, I'm old. I like proper center backs to be center backs that do what they do, and and he reminds me of that because he has that experience. He's you know, he's, he's around for a long time, but you know, with Oxford, with the players that they've got around him as well, he he he, he steps up and makes that team. And we'll bring them together. And they don't panic. They don't, even when, you know, there's a couple of games that could have gone one way or the other. You can see there's that leadership on the pitch, which when things get dicey or they will, you know, because the rest of the season is a long way to go. You see him as someone that will, won't be phased by it and, and will be there and will, will take the pressure um, you know, and, and he pops up as, as you know, good old fashioned centre backs do. He pop, pops up with a couple of goals 
Um, and that's, you know, yeah, we can talk, you know, football to different levels in, you know, the, the Premier League and whatever. But at League One, you need that kind of player. Uh, before I, I will, who I'm going to put in alongside him, is there any players who feel like are very unlucky not to be selected from yourself as, as a centre-back in the team, Johnny, at all? Oh, geez. I mean, you've got the old school centre-backs, haven't you? Like <laughs> Richard Keogh's at Wickham and uh, um, the lads, you know, Peterborough. Um, I think, you know, is it uh, Josh Knight? Um, Ronnie, uh, yeah, Ronnie Edwards, yeah, Ronnie Edwards, guys like that. Are, you, there's so many that you could put in a group of players that are good. Um, but for me, centre backs going back to the day during the war when I was youngster, are leaders, <laughs> and I think he's a he's a leader. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a real good leader of a team, and that that's what's slightly different to. You know, all the guys that we could talk about, you know, at the top teams, you know, there's just something about him, I think, if we're talking about a top 11. I just want, can I just make a quick mention of um, Charlie Hughes? Because uh, mm. we talk about leaders, he's actually captain Wigan on six, seven times, uh, six or seven occasions this year. He's just been, he's got international recognition in the under 20s. And he's the, I guess he's the polar opposite from your old uh, centre half. He's uh, yeah. excellent ball playing centre half. What he, what he would have benefited from is having one of those type of players alongside him. But you know, it's it's a very young defence, Wigan. Mm -hmm. So occasionally we'll make the odd mistake. But I think in terms of what he's contributed to the team this year, I mean, I've not seen a centre back do a crossfield pass. He pa he does the crossfield pass <laughs> like Steven Gerrard used to do it. Mm. Uh, so you know he's got he's got that in his locker, but he's got a lot to learn. But I'm I'm hoping he's going to learn it with Wigan. But he definitely deserves a mention, and um, he made his international debut on Friday, albeit we lost three 0 to Italy. <laughs> Yeah, we'll nip that one in the bud about the debut we had for England. Um, Elliot Moore's centre-back partner for me. You have to pick. I think it's Connor Shaughnessy for Portsmouth. I think him and Regan Paul have been outstanding. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to fare with that Regan Paul. He's out with a, a long-term injury. But, you know, you talk about Elliot Moore popping up with goals. Connor Shaughnessy's popped up with massive ones. He scored the winner against Carlisle. He scored a late goal against Wickham. That's got them six points this season, both in late circumstances. And he's played every minute of every game in the league. And I think when you have that, you know, when there's two new centre-backs at the club, they need to go in very much, very quickly and understand each other. And they have done. You know, it's not a coincidence that they are the best defence in the league because they're top. It's only 12 goals conceded. And whilst you talk about sort of, you know, Portsmouth's kind of attack and play, as you would because they're top of the table, you often get blindsided by their defence. He arrived from Burton. You know, he made the move to Portsmouth and... Probably when he was at Burton, you didn't really notice him really stand out, to be honest. I mean, he's obviously betted himself, no disrespect to Burton, by going to Portsmouth. And he's absolutely thrived. He's done very well in that environment. That partnership he struck up has been absolutely excellent. He's popped up with goals this season. You can kind of see him as a leader in there already. And I think him and his partner, Regan Paul, really back himself up. So whilst individually he gets praise, I think his centre-back partner deserves just as much for making him as good as what he is and also vice versa, swapping it the other way around. But mentioned as well at centre-back, I think Carl Piaget has been fantastic. The Stevenage carrying on the good form from last year where he probably was 
one of the best centre-backs in League Two. And I think Ricardo Santos for Bolton, I think, is, a, is an absolute yeah. colossus. Man Mountain, yeah. you know, for Bolton, you know, there's been a real squad built over the last two or three years since Ian Everts gone in there. I'm going to talk about one of them in a minute. Um, sort of up the pitch. But, you know, I think Santos really epitomises it. I think he's the captain of Bolton. He's big, he's strong, he's quite quick. He can bring the ball out. And I think he's a very, very good player. To complete our defence, we do get Johnny. Um, and, of course, we've already had a member of the Barnsley squad in there, Blackpool, a Portsmouth and an Oxford player. One of the um, teams is going to have another player within it. And Johnny is going to reveal who makes a left back in our uh, 11 at the moment in this League One team of the season. Who is it? Johnny? I've gone for Jack Sparks. I think a lad who came from Exeter, come to Port Pompey. Um, there's just something, I think, you know, defensively wise, he's part of a really good unit, as you've we've talked about already with, the, with your picks. Um, I I think, you know, left back, left, left-footed players, there's... Mm. Something about you know the guys that I grew up watching, you know Stuart Pearce, and you know that you love seeing a left back getting forward. He can play left wing, left whatever you want to call it, left wing back. Um, he's still only twenty three. Um, he's had I think it's four assists this season. Um, I think he's kind of one that I go. He's he's part of a good team. He will he will get better playing alongside those guys. Um, you know they've proven their defensive record how good they are as a team. Um, I, I yeah, I just like I just some some like I like watching that kind of player, you know, as a as a fan. Whether, you know, I'm a fan of Pompey, obviously, but guys that that can bomb down the wing, but also he can do you know what he needs to do as part of a squad. So yeah, look, I I'm sure again there'll be everyone else will be going. Well, why don't you pick him? Why don't you pick him? I was asked to pick who I picked, so I picked him. <laughs> that's that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Because football, you know, divides opinions. Um, but he's part of the you know the best team in the league defensively as well, which is which is huge. A notable mention, I think, at left back, it's very debatable actually if you can include him as a left back. But Luke Leahy for Wickham yeah. or Leahy, um, if you sort of you want to use the Irish pronunciation, yes, he has used as a centre mid for Wickham. Sometimes does play left wing back. Got four goals, uh, sorry, five goals, four assists this season. Sixteen games for Wickham, great delivery. Yes, he's got a few um, from the spot this season, but. Really rated him. I think he's come on leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. So that's our goalkeeper in defence complete. We're now going to start the midfield off. We've got Adam making the first of the three midfield picks. We each get a pick in central midfield as well. Um, and again, you've gone for a bit of versatility here, Adam. This player you've picked, just to tease the audience, he's not a central midfielder by trade. Um, he is more of an attacking player, but I think he is someone you do have to shoehorn in, no question, because... He has got the most assists. If you don't know who that is already, Adam is going to reveal who he's put in the team. Yeah, apologies if I get the pronunciation wrong, but uh, Poku or Poku from Peterborough. Um, watched him in the game against Wigan. Uh, I didn't really know that much about him until then, but I thought this guy's this guy's really good player. So I looked into him in more detail, and then I saw his statistics. Now I think if because we've got a three in the we picked them independently, so I don't know how well they'll play together as a three. Um, but I think he could be that player that, if, if in that formation, that would be he'd clearly be the attacking one um, in that formation because you know the the way he can, he can he's got everything really. He's got goals in him. Um, 
he's got a good eye for a, a pass. He's got energy. Um, I think he's a really, really smart, smart player. And, you know, probably Peterborough have been a side to me that have been pleasing on the eye this season. I think the, the and, and I think a big part of that has been down, has been down to him. Um, you know, I think we're, we're going to have to put in the best performance of the season by far to beat Peterborough. And he was certainly the best player on the pitch. Um, but fortunately that night, the sum of our parts were better than a couple of their individuals. But yeah, he definitely stood out for me and um, we had to get him in somewhere. And I don't think, given the numbers of some of the strikers that we'll be talking about, that we could actually really have him as a as a forward. So, so yeah, my, my let, let's test his versatility out. You know, there's certain players that can play anywhere, and we'll say that he's one of those. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think you have to you have to include him, given he has got the most assists in the league this season with five. I'm going to make this player the second in our midfield three, and I think it's the most complete one in League One. I think it's Josh Sheen of Bolton. I think I've talked about Bolton under Ian Everett. You know, he arrived in 2020 in League Two, their lowest ebb, and we've seen with teams who've kind of gone from League Two to League One and then to the Championship and. They're very similar to Plymouth in terms of they've had a journey. They've built very, very slowly. Each player, every year, whether they've been there two years, three years, one year, six months, they've all come on leaps and bounds. They've massively developed. And I think Josh Sheehan has done that. I think he's got a great eye for a pass. I think his vision is outstanding. You know, he can chip in with goals. He chipped in this season against Stevenage. I love the way he kind of just controls matches sort of on his own. I think, you know, I remember seeing him at Newport in League Two when they were really getting close to getting into the third team, I thought, yeah, this guy's going to be going to League One. Obviously, he had a lot of suitors, I think, two seasons ago when he was linked with other clubs. Obviously, he chose Bolton. It's been a great move for him. As I mentioned, he's gone on leaps, leaps and bounds, you know, and it's coincided with the, the, the whole sort of story of Bolton and Ian Everett, how they've just improved year on, year out. You've seen all the players do say they had that trip to Wembley. They, of course, got to the semi-finals of the playoffs last year. And I just think he has to be included in the team. He's got a couple of assists this season. And I'll be absolutely amazed if he doesn't manage to keep up this form. Unless, of course, you hope it's not the case. He gets a serious injury, of course, for himself and for his team's sake. But completing our trio in midfield. And I tell you what, this is one hell of a trio. If this was to be tested out, as Adam was saying, we've got Poku. We've got Shin in there. Who is going to, be, uh, who is going to complete our midfield three then, Johnny? Cameron Brannigan, Oxford. I, I keep picking Oxford players. There's something wrong with me. I'm, I just don't know what's going on. Um, no, but like you know, he's he's guy. He's been there 213 games now for Oxford. I think it is, and he does. He's experienced. He's obviously been at Liverpool as a youngster. He's a good player, an all-round player. But like you look at his stats over the last few years: 14 goals, 2021, nine last year, four already this year, four assists. That that's huge in a team that's pushing for a promotion. He maybe doesn't get all the you know the the fandom and the plaudits for what he does, but he's consistent, and that's what you want as a midfielder in a, in a club like this. Those three guys playing together they'd probably win ten 0 every week the way you know, where we pick the team. Um, but you know that's that's something. Um, you know he's still relatively young at, for a footballer. Um, he's found his place. He, he's you know part of a good team as we've talked about before. But I just like his energy and I just think, you know, good players go unnoticed in games sometimes. And I think he's one of those players that just does what he does. 
without the you know without the the, the hero stuff. Do you know what I mean? And that's 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 mm-hmm. a sign of a really good player. He doesn't just have one good game in three or four. He's a consistent uh, player for that club. You know, so that's mm-hmm. that's my my pick. Yeah, four goals as well this season, four from the penalties. But you got to remember, a couple of years ago, it was summer 2022, he pretty much had a deal agreed to get Liverpool in the Championship. I mean, where would Oxford be if they didn't have their captain been there for so many years and just yeah. year on, year out, so consistent in League One? And I am very much advocating um, for that pick. One person I think actually does deserve a bit of a mention is actually Ben Garrity. Got a few goals for Port Vale this season. I think it's four or five in total, the number he's got. Um, so that is sort of just a, another sort of honourable um, mention in there. So we are eight down in our <laughs> 11. We're going to move on to the strikers now. Adam, there's someone who you've mentioned already earlier in the podcast. Someone I think I can imagine you've got a lot of time for. You're a big fan of. Um, and of course, he's going to be joining a teammate of his that's already been included in the defence. So it's a bit of a hint for the listeners. Um, if you don't know, you might as well reveal who the sort of last pick of the playing squad is yours uh, and who's going to start off our three up front. Yeah, well, when I say I'm a fan of him, he did score against us, so maybe maybe I'm not <laughs> that big a fan of him. But I, I, I can be very object, objective and say jo, uh, Jordan Rhodes. Um, it's been a while since, I mean, he, he, he was the top League One championship striker who everybody wanted for that sort of four or five years. And then he did drop off a little bit. Or he's had a new lease of life at Blackpool. Um, and he, he, he looks a different type of player. He's still scoring all his goals, but his link-up player has been um, exceptional as well. Uh, I think he's got the best minutes per goal ratio in, in the league. Because, as I said before, he didn't come into the Blackpool team until maybe four or five games into the season. Um, so he's clinical, um, his assists as well, you know, he's up there in the assists list. Um, and with his mate running down that right hand side, you know, um, putting that ball in, he's getting he's getting the ball that strikers need. So that little combination with all that little bit of quality as well in that midfield, I think, um, yeah, I think he'd do a really good job. But I've got to give a note, I've got to give a mention to uh, Stephen Humphreys, who's improved so much this season for Wigan. Um, he's been the outstanding player of the season, and if you look at his goals, um, the, the the numbers don't stack up to the other guys. But um, you know he's assisted, um, and his goals usually are outstanding as well. He's, he, he doesn't really like a tapping, so uh, but he's he's just changed he can run with the ball beat players put good crosses in and score goals when he needs to so i can't i can't put him in because of um i can't pick three because you're picking the other two so <laughs> and i could not pick jordan Rhodes. so uh that's because uh, if there's any wigan fans listening i'll be getting loads of stick for not actually picking a wigan player so uh for jordan Rhodes. So Jordan Rhodes is the first of our three strikers. The final pick I'll have, I'm going to put in Jamie Reeve for Stevenage. I think I talked about how, you know, before we actually recorded this podcast, you look at sometimes players 
and the impact they make for clubs. Shaughnessy's made a big impact for Portsmouth. Roberts, I think, has made a big impact for Barnsley. Sheehan with Bolton. Look at Jamie Reid. A lot of the goals that Stevenage has scored, they wouldn't be fourth to some degree down without him. Yes, he scores goals where they're not as spectacular as, you know, someone, as you said, like Stephen Humphreys, who, you know, will often score goals outside there. But he's always in the right position, Jamie Reid. He's 29 years of age, so he's not a young player. And he's just really hitting his peak. You know, I remember sort of, you know, him in National League with talk. He scored a lot of goals, went to Mansfield, didn't really work. He's gone to Stevenage and under Steve Evans, he's just gone like that. Like so many players, he's just rapidly developed in the course. It's quite nice as well. And this isn't the reason I've actually put him in, but it is nice to see a lad from actually Bristol um, thriving as well. So <laughs> that's a little sort of fact for, for some of the listeners. But I think just for some of the goals he scored, I think it's played a massive part in Stevenage you know, being fourth. And, you know, whilst we don't really like waxing lyrical about Stevenage and sort of certain sides, I think, you know, when it comes to certain players and some of the impact, it does often get lost, doesn't really get spoke about. And I think Jamie Reid has really provided that for Stevenage this season. So completing our playing 11, I mean, it's a phenomenal team already. I mean, Jordan Rose and Jamie Reid are going to feast on chances. What's the League One top goal scorer going to do? If you don't know who that is, Johnny, that's going to tell you right now. And to be honest, you really do have to put the league one top goal scorer in at the moment, don't you? Given, of course, he's in a league of his own on that front. So, name name the final player in our uh, yeah. eleven, then, Johnny. Alfie May, I think, is one of these players that um, you know he, he went through non-league. Um, yeah, this guy called Ian Wright did the same, did pretty well. Was he later on in life? Uh, you know, and, and he went, you know, went to Doncaster, did well. Went to Cheltenham, did well. Gone to Charlton, did well. Charlton haven't been brilliant at the start of the season. They obviously, you know, lost the manager, but he still scores goals in a team that was struggling. And I just like, I, I, I love strikers. Alfie, because he reminds me of Adam Lafondre a bit, uh, one of my Reading legends. Um, but he's a proper goal, he's a proper goal scorer, and he's skillful, and he's different, and he's not the biggest. He's five foot nine. He's not, you know, he's not a six foot four beanpole that just <laughs> wins headers. There's something about him. And uh, yeah, he's he's 30. So he's really, I think, again, one of those players that's making the most of his opportunity. Um and he and he loves playing. And you look at him and, and he's hungry. He he wants to be there. He wants to be the main man. But he's also he brings other players into the game as well. He's not just a, an out and out goal scorer. Um, you know, and Charlton, you know, have relied on him this season, but I think he his star will continue to shine. It'd be interesting to see how he goes the rest of this season, if he stays fit, whether he may then go another step up uh, championship. Be interesting. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, what players can do at what level. Um, I think he's one of those. I think if he, you know, as injury-free, that I think he would then go from chart maybe to, you know, if it's, a, say, a top league one club or a championship club you know i just think that that kind of player i love watching because he, he scores goals out of nothing as well you know those those guys you just don't it's not all tappings it's not all you know six yards he, he does score some quality goals and um yeah so that's that's so we probably will win every game 45 nil with the team we've just picked every week <laughs> I think something's going wrong if they don't win by that scoreline. But, of course, we, we couldn't include any other wingers in the team. It was three out-and-out -out strikers. Mentions on the wingers to Corey Blackett-Taylor. Been outstanding for Charlton. He's got the second amount of assists, highest, I yeah. think, in the league. Ephraim Mason-Clark, obviously, Adam touched upon Peter Brabin. Really good watch this season. I kind of concur with that. Uh, Mason-Clark has been outstanding. Posh is captain. Um, and, obviously, not easy to kind of not 
rely on Johnson, Clark, Karras and use other areas to score goals. So they've been good as well. Mentioned as well to two out-and-out strikers, Devante Kolfik's been outstanding yeah. for Barnsley. He's had to prove a lot of people wrong this season. You know, a lot of people didn't really think he was maybe up to the standards of, you know, being that 20-goal scorer. So he's having a real blossoming season. Um, I think it's going to continue in. And Colby Bishop for Portsmouth, I think, is still a phenomenal yeah. player at the top of his game. So with this eleven. We need a manager. Adam gets that pick. And I think, really, there's only one person you can really manage this team, really. And I think it's a pretty obvious candidate. Yeah. Well, I'll go the other way this time with the um, honourable mentions. Um, Steve Evans yeah. uh, clearly, I think, deserves uh, deserves a mention. But with with the team that we've picked, I'm not convinced he's the right manager for our our particular team. So, therefore, I've got to go for the um, unbeaten John Messino at Portsmouth. Now, I think what he's been able to do is keep Portsmouth at the top of the league for a longer period of time than previous managers have. Portsmouth have tended to start seasons well, go unbeaten and then drop off a bit. This year, yes, we're still only in November, but they've pretty much been top for most of the season. Um, if you if you take out the games in hand that they would have had, so they've made they've they've always been up there, and I think as well testimony to it that I don't know how many how many Portsmouth players did we actually pick in the end? Was it one or two? two. It was two. two, two, yeah. So I think that also shows that. You know he's getting the best. It's the it's a bit of the sum of the parts. Portsmouth have often had the big names, um, but I think this season they 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 know they've got the style of play. They understand each other's games, and you know they've got the good at the top end of the field, and they don't concede many goals, which is a recipe for success. So it'll be very interesting to see, um, given that as good as he's been. There isn't that they're not stretched away, have they? You know, they haven't they haven't sort of um got out of town yet. There's teams like Bolton and um Oxford that are only just behind. So I wouldn't guarantee that it'll be the manager of the year, but uh, at this snapshot moment, uh, I, I would say we, we have to to have this amazing unbeaten run. And also, although we're talking about this season, it goes back to last season as well towards the end of the season and to go on that it's as probably as impressive as the you know obviously Stockport in um in league two you know winning 12 games on I know it's a league one podcast but you've got to congratulate anybody who wins 12 12 games in a row in the same way as um yeah 20 I mean 20 odd match undefeated run now is it roughly for Portsmouth yeah, yeah, so uh, although they couldn't beat Chesterfield in the cup, could this? <laughs> well, at least I mean they had a cup shot, but obviously you know that might play in their hands in uh, the rest of the season. So the team's complete. So just to recap, we've got Liam Robertson goal, the back four, right back CJ Hamilton, corner Sean C, Elliot Moore at centre back, Jack Sparks is at left back, three in midfield: Kwame Poku, Cameron Brannigan, Josh Sheehan, Jamie Reid, Jordan Rhodes, Alfie made a three up front. John Massino is our head. Coach, bit of a, a mention as well to Neil Collins. He's done well at Barnsley, uh, just in a very short space of time. Came in from Tampa Bay Rowdies. You didn't know if it was going to go well. You didn't know if it was going to go bad. Um, so I think he deserves a bit of a mention already this season. Those players we've mentioned there, if you feel like 
we've maybe missed out on certain players actually being in the 11 and maybe missed out on honourable mentions, then do feel free to let us know in the comments. That's all we've got time for uh, today on the pod. We've had a lot to discuss. I did tell you it was. Um, so obviously a pleasure as ever in listening and a pleasure as ever speaking to Johnny and Adam for all things League One. Of course, the Root EFL doesn't just cover League One. We do League Two as well. A brand new podcast uh, is, of course, out discussing all things League Two. Very similar format to us. It's a very good show. So give them the attention like you've done with us if you're a big follower of League Two. And, of course, keep those likes. Keep those ratings coming on your chosen podcast platform. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back next week with a full list of programmes and there'll be no more international breaks, remember, till March. There'll be a lot of happy people back there. Maybe not so much if you're a Reading fan. Yeah, or, or, <laughs> oh, come on. So we're going to end <laughs> on that note. Have a lovely week. Frozen pictures. Frozen pictures. We will see you again very, very soon. Cheers. Bye for that. Cheers. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then late on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.